Welcome to the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. We have survived the NFL draft. There was at least another major wide receiver trade during the draft. Uh, still a few quarterbacks that don't have a home, but I think uh, we've gone through enough news here where we can take a step back, uh, provide, provide some fantasy takes here, and catch you up on what you may have missed from the NFL draft. So to do that, I am joined by Ryan Heath. We will go through our six NFL draft takes from a fantasy football perspective and just catch you up and go from some of our targets for dynasty leagues and redraft leagues. Um, I wanted to give a shout out up top to um, our awesome staff that were on the ground in Las Vegas this weekend, Drew DeLuca and Sammy Alsado. Uh, we're in Vegas uh, recapping all the picks. Hopefully you checked out their round one recap podcast, which was great. Uh, they're they're going to have articles coming out this week. They got some really cool access, got to interview some players at the draft. Uh, you know, Sammy basically predicted uh, Chris Olave to the Saints. Uh, Olave told him that the Saints really liked Ohio State receivers, so that worked out. So there's some really cool stuff there. Wanted to give Drew and Sammy a shout-out on that. Make sure to check out their work. And a shout-out to Dustin Ludke, who helped get us media access to the NFL draft. So uh, without further ado, uh, Ryan Heath, you are here. We are giving fantasy takes from the NFL draft. How you been doing? It's been a little while since we've done a podcast. I've been doing great moving forward with my life. Lots of new things happening, but excited to get back into the fantasy football podcasting game. I have a lot of takes today that we can talk about, and I am looking forward to being even more active this summer. Yeah, I think uh looks like we got some sun recently. We got outside, maybe. We haven't been uh, glued to our spreadsheets, so we've been enjoying the time off a little bit, but we're, we're excited to be back here. So um, this is our favorite part of the year, I, I think for me. I know a lot of people love the NFL draft, but I like once the draft has happened, when I can put these players on teams and start uh, forming my draft boards for uh, the upcoming year. So, all right, we've got six fancy football takes from the NFL draft. Uh, we are going to alternate here. So three each. Ryan, you're up first. What is your number one take coming out of this weekend? All right, we are starting with the perfectly crafted hot take because it sounds really hot and then it really isn't once you think about it for five seconds. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be my QB2 overall in redraft. Uh, only Josh Allen is who I would be ranking above him at this point. So last year, he actually was the QB2 overall through week 12, uh, QB5 per game overall. He hurt his ankle uh, after week 12, and his effectiveness on the ground was cut in pretty much in half. He went from 10.2 to 5.6 rushing attempts per game. Um, but now... He has A.J. Brown to throw to, and along with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, that is are arguably some of the best weapons in the entire league. It shows that the Eagles might be wanting to throw. I mean, in the beginning of the year last year, they were passing the ball at a much higher rate. Um, they kind of pulled back on that as it got down the stretch. But I think with this acquisition, it shows that they want to throw the ball. It's a very analytically minded front office. So I think that's a signal that we could see the pass volume really increase in Philadelphia this year, kind of like we did uh, in Baltimore last year. And I mean, for Hertz's part, 31 red zone carries last year, only behind Josh Allen. His yards per attempt was actually pretty decent. It was 7.3. That's good for 15 in the league. It was the same as Patrick Mahomes, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I just don't see a way that Jalen Hurts fails from a fantasy perspective. We know what he can do on the ground, and the upside is just crazy with these weapons. And we're seeing a lot of other QBs lose weapons at this point. Mahomes has lost Tyree Kill, 
Lamar just lost Marquise Brown. Aaron Rodgers still has nobody to throw to, really. So I think that there's been a lot of clearing at the top for QB, and Hertz is still there and shooting up. Yep. So to get him to QB2 for redraft, uh, I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros expert consensus. So you have leaped him over Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert as far as the ECR goes. Uh, They've got him QB7. You're putting him at QB2 behind Josh Allen, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think the only one that makes me really pause and think is Justin Herbert. I think he's still set up very well to have a repeat performance. Um, But really it's those two right there. Like I, I like him over a lot of those other names you said at this point. Yeah, I, I I'm basically on board with you. Uh, that could be a dynamic passing game with those receiving options. The Eagles always have a good offensive line. That's going to continue. Hertz is set up in a great spot. It's easy to get him ahead of Burrow. I mean, I love Burrow, but fantasy purposes, I think we're looking at two different uh, styles of players here and I'm going to take Hertz every time. Um, yeah. Kyler Murray, his injuries, just kind of durability has been an issue. Uh, I think Hertz is probably a more talented, just full-on runner than him. Uh, it, it starts getting interesting once you get up to Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. So it's pretty easy, I think, to get him up into that top tier. Uh, we'll see how these weapons, you know, the more we think of these Chiefs weapons, what we think of Mahomes. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Jalen Hurts is just such a threat on the ground, and the style that they're going to use him is going to be a lot different than some of these other quarterbacks. So you're going to get that volume. Uh, I am on board. I, I may not have him QB2, but that's also why this is a hot take. So I, I think at least the, the the takeaway here is he is a, a tier one redraft quarterback um, going into the season. Just too many weapons to pass up. So I'm right on board with you for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, the only thing I'll add to is even if we're talking dynasty, if your team is a contender, I think there's some decent reason to go out and acquire him especially Mm -hmm. if you're in a super flex league that's a player that can win you a league this year and hey if he does right now in dynasty he's not being taken totally seriously as a long-term starter for the eagles i mean if he goes out and has another amazing season then that could happen and will be priced in going forward from there so you, you could end up like really profiting off of a transaction like that yeah, you would think that he shows enough this year, even if the Eagles decide to move on with all that draft capital, that somebody wants him. And again, that's just such a fantasy-friendly style. I, I do agree. I would not freak out about uh, the Eagles' long-term plans for Hertz in Dynasty Leagues. He's going to be useful for a while now. So, All right, let's get on to my uh, take, my first take from the NFL draft for fantasy purposes here. Um, I'm going with Traylon Burks, rookie wide receiver one. Uh, coming into the draft, I would not have had him there just from some of the pre-draft profiles, but Burks falls into just an incredible situation here in Tennessee. Uh, I think one part that's really interesting here is that this is, I mean, this is directly filling the AJ Brown role and it's not like they just lost him to free agency or they decided to change here. Like this was, their hand was kind of forced. They had to move on from Brown and they, they clearly picked Traylon Burks to try to fill this role. Doesn't mean he's going to be uh, A.J. Brown right out of the gate, but it, it's a different situation than a lot of receivers uh, are coming into as a rookie. And I just there's a massive opportunity here. I mean, Robert Woods is the wide receiver one. He's 30 years old, coming off an ACL tear in November. He's also on a new team, which doesn't always translate for receivers. Uh, then the rest of the receiving group, it's Racy McMath, sixth-round pick, Des Fitzpatrick, fourth-round pick, Nick Westbrook-Akeen, uh, undrafted free agent, Josh Malone, fourth-round pick, Cody Hollister, undrafted free agent, 
uh, even a tight end, Austin Hooper on a one-year deal. Uh, this is what Burks is competing with. And he's just going to have such a huge opportunity right out of the gate this year in Tennessee. Um, even, you know, Tannehill, I know uh, he may not be a top 10 option, but he is a competent option that can get fantasy production out of the receivers. Um, they drafted Malik Willis. So maybe there's a little bit of a long-term, uh, you know, upside there at the position. I just think it's a really nice spot for Burks. Um, obviously, look, if you have a receiver that you know is going to be uh, Justin Jefferson from a couple of years ago and you just think the NFL misevaluated him, then, hey, go draft that player. Uh, but we have found that we are not always great at evaluating these receivers, even when they're first-round receivers. So I'm going to take the opportunity here with Traylon Burks. Um, I'm going to draft him as my rookie-wide receiver one, and I think you can get a little discount on him in a rookie draft. You may not have to drop, draft him in the top three picks of your draft. So I really like Traylon Burks here. Uh, just too much opportunity, and let's see if that uh, after-the-catch talent and just, just big frame that he brings to the league uh, translates. But we're going we're gonna to know pretty quick here, I think, with Burks if this was a good pick. Yeah, that is one of the good things about Burks is I think if you're six, eight games into this season and you haven't liked what you've seen from him, then hopefully you can recoup some value from him before his price craters, because there's no reason that he shouldn't be right in there commanding targets right away. I mean, you compared him to AJ Brown. Um, and certainly there is a lot of opportunity in Tennessee as you listed off the not so stellar competition he has but I will just point out that even this past season AJ Brown was like an eight target a game player like in Tennessee with the low volume passing offense being like the uncontested number one isn't like 10 targets a game like it might be in some other offenses so that would be my only slight pushback but I'm on board with Burks as a tier one receiver I do slightly prefer Drake London but I, I don't hate the take at all yeah, and, and some of this is their landing spots here. Um, again, it, if one of these players is Jefferson and breaks out, like th then they're going to be the wide receiver one here. But uh, this is kind of viewed as a, a class that doesn't have a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson in it, and so I'm just kind of playing landing spots. Um, London is interesting. He is with Kyle Pitts, though, who is essentially a wide receiver one uh, with higher draft capital. Not that there's not enough to go around, but he's got some competition there. Um, a worse quarterback. You know, there's just a lot of holes you can poke in these rookie receivers here for sure. Garrett Wilson, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, you know, I kind of like Alave on the Saints this year. Uh, I do think there's enough issues with Michael Thomas. He could have a big role and he's pro ready, but doesn't necessarily have the biggest ceiling. So I just, I kind of like Burks' combination of ceiling and opportunity here. And uh, there are, you know, there, I've seen some draft profiles on him that, that were concerned if he had to come in and contribute right away, if he was prepared as a professional receiver to fill that role. Uh, but I do think the Titans know how to use him. It's similar to how they used AJ Brown. And yeah, I, I do agree, lower passing volume, but I, I think if he flashes the skills that a lot of people think that he has, um, he's going to be a valuable player right away. Yeah, and he doesn't have to play with like a rookie quarterback or a, a sophomore quarterback that's unproven like a lot of these guys have to. So that is also definitely a plus. Yeah. All right, let's get to your next draft take. Um, what do you got next? So my next take is all about Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, I've never been an Amon Ross St. Brown stan. I, I know a lot of people on Twitter like to stan him and do nothing but argue about him all day. Mm -hmm. um, but I, for some reason, I've been dragged into all these fights in the last few days. Um, I think he's a total buy. 
I am not concerned about Jamison Williams for Amon Ross St. Brown's dynasty value. He's down to wide receiver 30 from wide receiver 26 before the draft. I, I don't think there's any reason he should have moved from wide receiver 26. I think that's about right for him. Here's my evaluation of him. So in his rookie season, he posted yards per team pass attempt pretty much on par with DK Metcalf, Tyree Kill, and Calvin Ridley, how they did their rookie years. And that stat I just said, basically, it is all of the yards a receiver amasses divided by the amount of pass attempts that the team has in games when he plays. So the point of that is just kind of how much the receiver is contributing to the offense and in Amon Ross St. Brown's case it was a lot like he's clustered with all of these star names at the top like he's not quite at the Justin Jefferson Jamar Chase yards per team attempt levels but as, as I said he is clustered in with these guys we think of as really talented stars mm-hmm. um, for somebody that is kind of a decent comp for him as far as like the style the physicality goes I would say Deontay Johnson uh, who Amon Seat Brown did beat out in both target share and yards per team attempt it compared to Deontay Johnson's rookie year so I think that's the type of player we're looking at here he's got that after the catch ability he's not as good of a separator but I think he can succeed regardless of all of this talent that the Lions have brought in uh, DJ Chark apparently is a player that people still believe in. I, I don't know why that that's the case, but I figure if DJ Chark plays like the first eight games as a decoy on the outside, and then he gets hurt probably <laughs> and Jamison Williams maybe comes in in the second half and does something similar. I don't, I don't think any of this affects him on St. Brown. I think he is still going to amass over a 20% target share, just like he did last year. And that's pretty much it. Like he's, he's a good player. That's kind of what it boils down to. And when good players slide because their team adds more talent in the offense, we draft good players. All right. I'm interested here. So this is not your typical player to chase. I don't think is I'm on Ross St. Brown. Um, and so I, I, these are all very good points though. I'm just surprised that you landed on St. Brown as one of your takes here. Uh, if you look on fancy pros, ECR, they've even got him wide receiver 33 now in dynasty. Uh, they got a bunch of rookie receivers ahead of them. Uh, just came out Garrett Wilson, Drake London, you know, all those types are ahead of him. Chris Alave. Uh, you've even got like Michael Thomas with major injury concerns. So yeah, I do agree. He's fallen too far. Um, they're going to fill completely different roles here in Detroit. I mean, Amon Ross, A. Brown, and Jameson Williams' roles aren't going to overlap a ton. And he's already shown the the connection with Jared Goff. I mean, we, like you said, he was such a huge part of the offense last year. They were giving him carries out of the backfield, and he looked good on them. He's just kind of an all-around good player. So I do agree. I think he's dropped way too far here. You've got some rookies that, while certainly have some upside, um, have not proven it yet. And, you know, frankly, most of them are not going to put up a year like St. Brown did last year, you know, throughout the early parts of their career. So I do think I'm on board here. Um, Obviously, there's the whole question of quarterback, Jared Goff. You know, he's not a good quarterback. How long is he going to be there? But it's hard to see them moving on uh, before this year. Um, So one more of Amon Ross St. Brown's situation while Jameson Williams comes off injury. I I think you're pretty much locked into a good year here. And you would have to assume the next quarterback is going to like St. Brown as well. So I do agree here. It's an overreaction and uh, just – Looking at the trend here, he may keep dropping and, and prove to be a steal in Dynasty and Redraft as well. 
Yeah, and I'm glad that you called out um, his ranking compared to like Chris Olave because I think that's actually a decent comp as far as we don't think these players have amazing ceilings, but they're good route runners. They're probably walking into opportunity. Amon Ross St. Brown is just Chris Olave, except he's already done it in the NFL. That That's the take. I would take St. Brown straight up over Olave. That's about where I'd slot him in as far as what rookie draft pick would I accept for him. So. That's where I'm at, and I, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people disagree, but that's completely fine. No, I, I think he's a rock solid choice, and if you prefer upside, fine. But uh, you should be able to get a pretty big return if you have him and you you want to move on. So, um, all right, sounds great. Um, let's get to my next take, and I hate to be uh, as a, a Bengals fan who has seen you know the, the franchise and the depths for years on end. I hate to uh, try to uh, you know kick a kick a franchise while they're down, but. Uh, the Jets fans are awfully excited. Um, New York Jets Twitter is excited. Everyone's excited about all the prospects added to this team. I just want to say, let's pump the brakes for the Jets for fantasy purposes here. Uh, I, I can see it already, the excitement growing around this team with all this young talent. And it, you know it's going to continue throughout the offseason as uh, fantasy football drafts get closer. Uh, everyone is going to want their piece of this explosive Jets offense. Uh, there's just there's a lot of red flags here for me for fantasy purposes. So first of all, Brees Hall comes in, top running back prospect on most boards in the draft. He's still got Michael Carter there to compete with, a second-year running back who looked pretty good last year and has a nice passing game role. Uh, so even Brees Hall, um, he's got some competition at running back in New York. Um, when they add Garrett Wilson in the first round, a receiver, yes, that's exciting, uh, but he's competing with Elijah Moore, who signed through 2024. Uh, Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios, those are solid NFL players. They are signed through 2023. Uh, so that's four deep at receiver there. Um, tight end is three deep now. They have CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, and third-round rookie Jeremy Ruckert. Again, none of these names are deal-breaking names, but th these names are starting to add up here. We've already listed seven or eight quality NFL players in this offense. Uh, and so they've added all this talent, um, but it's just it's going to come down to Zach Wilson here. Um, if he doesn't make a, a leap, this is just a ton of target competition, uh, competition on the ground, competition for touchdowns. There's just a lot of talent on this Jets offense. And if Zach Wilson does not break out, I, I just think there are too many mouths to feed here. And this is a Jets offense last year with some talent on offense. Uh, scored fifth fewest points per game or points total in the league on offense. Uh, Wilson had a 56% completion percentage. He had nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions. He was the QB 27 in air yards per attempt. There's just, man, there's a lot that needs to go right for Wilson's development here to support some of these guys. And sure, maybe one or two of them pop a little bit, but uh, these names are going to get inflated throughout the offseason, and there's just way too much competition for me. So I am probably going to pass on just about all this Jets offense. I don't necessarily believe in Zach Wilson, and I'm not ready to commit real capital here. I, I think at the top of a rookie dynasty draft, um, it, it's I don't feel great about Brees Hall. He's a great athlete, and he, he can be a, a three-down back. Um, I, I don't know. There's just something here that I'm not ready to fully buy in on this Jets offense. So um, looking at these draft boards for rookie dynasty drafts, I'm not feeling great about the top maybe pick here. I'd rather have a couple picks later. So pump the break on the Jets. Um, do you have any any optimism here, or are you on board with me on the Jets? Um, optimism, probably not the right word. I, I'd say that this does definitely all come down to Zach Wilson. If he can't take the step forward, then everything you just said is probably going to be correct. With With the exception of... Michael Carter being competition to Brees Hall. I, I don't buy it. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't think that 
we have ever thought that a day three running back, by the way, he was drafted on day three is going to be a major threat to a guy that they traded up for to the top of the second round. I, I don't buy it at all. Hall is the complete player. He can play on all three downs. As you said, he's athletic. He has everything we look for in fantasy running backs that will be perennial RB1s. I have no qualms with taking Brees Hall at the 101 in rookie drafts, and I'm guessing I'm going to be decently high on him even in redraft. So okay. we'll see how that goes. Um, I, I guess a comparison is Najee Harris. The Steelers offense wasn't great last year. Najee had a 90% opportunity share and still managed to be pretty good. So I, I don't know if Hall's getting quite up to those numbers, but I think it's definitely possible. I, I mean, Michael Carter's best case scenario is being like Naheem Hines at this point, right? It's, it's fair. I, I guess it's just when you bring up Najee Harris, uh, are they going to play Brees Hall, you know, 70, 80, 90% of the snaps? Is this going to be more of a 60, 40 kind of split? Um, that's also a team with an awfully good defense in Pittsburgh where they, could kind of, you know, justify giving him a bunch of uh, a bunch of carries and short dump offs with Roethlisberger there. I don't know. I just I until we see these guys locked into just a massive three down bell cow roll, it's it's hard to know that they're going to get that. So, yeah, I'm probably a little I, I probably should uh, rephrase the, the Brees Hall part of that conversation. But just in general, I just think there are too many mouths to feed in this offense. And I don't trust Zach Wilson to get the ball to him, frankly. So um, it's going to be an interesting battle between Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson for fantasy relevance here. But like I said, there are still people like Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios and the tight ends and the, the pass catching running back options that are just going to siphon targets here. So I don't know. I, I think the hype off season hype is going to get all these guys out of my range with the exception of Brees Hall, maybe just because uh, we'll get to that later, but the, the running back landscape's pretty bad. So I probably do need to take a second look at Brees Hall here. Yeah. I'm still in on Elijah Moore. Um, probably just about at par with Garrett Wilson. Um, so I guess maybe that means I'm high on the jets. So may, maybe you're right. May, maybe we are going to start talking ourselves into this being a really dynamic offense and their ADPs start shooting through the roof. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say, but yeah, it, this, this is it for Zach Wilson. I yeah. honestly think that if he doesn't put it together this year, then the jets should probably just move on. Like what, if he can't do it with these receivers to throw to, then what, then when and how is he going to? Yeah, this is a much better team on paper. I just, I hope it doesn't go the, uh, you know, the Giants are out where they loaded up on playmakers and then Daniel Jones holds them back ultimately. Although all their playmakers got hurt and maybe weren't that good either. So Jets have a step up on them here, I would say. But I uh, just, we need to see, uh, you know, some of these 100 target seasons, I think, out of these receivers and uh, that we can get a little more excited. So, all right, next up, what is your take number three here? So speaking of the Giants, actually, uh, my third take is that Wandale Robinson and David Bell should be your targets in the second round of every single rookie draft. Uh, th this is just kind of an archetype that I really like in fantasy football, where it's the player that has an all around really great profile, but has one kind of glaring thing that stands out that people tend to over fixate on for Wandale. It's that he's kind of short and for bell it's that he's slow. And as far as how much either of those things matter, I don't really think they do when you put it into the context of their profiles, both have day two draft capital. There are pads to immediate playing time for both of them. 
Uh, it seems pretty likely that Bell is just going to get to play in the slot right away as long as the Browns don't end up re-signing Jarvis Landry. Um, and for Wandale, it seems like Kadarius Toney is probably on his way out of New York. I don't think you make that pick in the early second if you're planning on Kadarius Toney playing significant snaps for you. Like it seems like there's a lot of smoke around here about the Giants wanting to trade him. And I, I know there have been kind of character concerns with him in the past, so it's a, a little worrying. Um, so Pat has the playing time. Uh, both were early declares. Both were very productive in college, going all the way back to their freshman years. I, these are impressive production profiles. You don't always get these types of profiles in the second round of rookie drafts. I, Elijah Moore was really the only one that I would even compare it to from last year. Like that, this class is kind of turning out to be kind of deep at wide receiver, and I and I'm liking it. Um, but as to address those two sort of Achilles heels um, for Wandale. He's five foot eight. There have been a lot of receivers in the NFL that have exceeded at five, eight, five, nine, uh, Elijah Moore, T Y Hilton. It, what really matters for those guys is that they at least have some athleticism that you want to see. Those are the types of players that are small, that do get drafted high by the NFL. And Wandale has it. I mean, he ran a four, four, four at the combine. Um, I, I'm not like a huge speed for wide receivers person, but it yeah. does seem to matter for the smaller guys. So I'm not really worried about him. I know people want to compare him to Rondale Moore, but I Rondale Moore could have worked out. Like th there is, there's a range of outcomes with all of these guys. Like Wandale mm -hmm. could flame out and do nothing. I mean, we've seen the hit rates aren't amazing for day two receivers, but we, it's worth it in the second round of a rookie draft. Um, and then for Bell on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, Obviously, he didn't run very fast in underwear at the Combine, but I would just point to the three years of production that he put up in a Power 5 conference in college. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I don't care that much about speed for wide receivers. We've seen guys succeed without it before. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I think I need to rethink Wandale Robinson. Uh, for me, I kind of hear him going to the giants with a bunch of names at receiver and then the small height. And it's, it's, it kind of just check him off like right away. I'm like, oh, I don't want that guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, then you look at it and I mean, the giants, the names here, I mean, Sterling Shepard uh, blew out his Achilles in December of last year. Uh, we we kind of do this this time of the year with all these uh, veterans coming off of injuries. We just kind of pencil them back in like they're healthy. But Sterling Shepard has a major injury to come back from here. You've got Kadarius Tony, like you mentioned, he's already angered the coaching staff one year in, and that was with the previous regime. And then Kenny Galladay wasn't even on the field last year. So um, Darius Slayton's been in the doghouse. They got a ton of names here that we've all heard of. We've probably all started, but. Uh, there, there's no telling that any of them are going to be here next year. So there is a deceivingly big opportunity. I would agree with Wondell Robinson there. Um, as far as David Bell, how do you think he fits into this Browns offense? Um, I mean, obviously they have Amari Cooper, um, not a lot else. What do you think of David Bell? Just like immediate impact, long-term impact, or what are some more thoughts on him for you? Yeah, I think he has a path to just playing in the slot immediately. That's where I've seen a lot of people kind of projecting him uh, with Donovan Peoples-Jones and going outside and playing X. Uh, but I think Bell could really play anywhere on the field. I mean, he was useful both inside and on the outside in college. He's 
a really refined route runner. He can kind of do it all. He's very like exceptionally pro ready. Mm -hmm. And this Browns offense is kind of hard to project right now. I mean, it's might be a really weird fit. We, the Deshaun Watson thing is kind of hanging over all this like a cloud, but there's definitely a scenario where this offense is very productive this year and bell slots in pretty nicely to it. I think. Yeah, and Donovan Peoples-Jones certainly has a lot of supporters. Uh, I mean, he's been primarily a big play receiver to this point of his career, though. Um, I know the quarterback has certainly been upgraded, so maybe that changes along with it. But there's definitely a big opportunity. I've been kind of keeping my eye on all these uh, receivers that the Browns have drafted in recent history because we just we knew this opportunity was kind of uh, OBJ and Jarvis Landry likely on the way out. So a uh, huge spot for him, and he's got the draft capital of everyone other than Amari Cooper that – I uh, could put him on the field pretty quickly. So, yeah, a couple interesting names to look out for, uh, for sure. Um, I'm gonna, and like I said, I'm going to look back again at Wandale Robinson because um, I, there is more opportunity there than meets the eye. Yeah, All for right. sure. He's, he's one that I kind of overlooked at first, too, and didn't take seriously. But once you really dig into that profile, it becomes very interesting. Yep. And, and, you know, some people felt it was a bit of a reach where they took him, but um, they took him there. And it's a new regime and that's how they valued him. So that's that we should take that should be our big takeaway from that draft selection. So, OK, final take here. And this is kind of a big topic that we can both get into here. But um, after the NFL draft completed here, it's pretty clear that NFL teams are just pushing us to uh, zero RB or hero RB fantasy football rosters here uh they did us no favors with these rookie draft selections as far as fantasy purposes go uh we already talked with Brees hall i mean he's the one-on-one in drafts and we probably should not be worried about him here but um he, he goes to the jets subpar offense i think he's got the talent to overcome it um kenneth walker goes to the seattle which it's probably a good spot if rashad penny gets hurt again there's an opening but still he's battling with rashad penny year one um, but those are the only two, oh, two of the three second round running backs this year. The third is James Cook, who is talented, but he's a he's a pass catcher. He's probably not a three down workout horse. So uh, first two rounds of the NFL draft, we only have three running backs off the board, probably only two three down running backs. And then the third round running backs did us no favors. We got running backs going to the 49ers that are pretty set at the position, uh, to the Buccaneers who are set at the position, at least for this year, uh, to the Washington Commanders who have Antonio Gibson and, you know, just not that great of an offense in general. Uh, and there were some really bad landing spots later on too. I mean, just like Zemir White to the Raiders, that's that's terrible for 2022 fantasy purposes. So it's it, you really have to squint to find very many interesting landing spots here. I mean, Isaiah Spiller to the Chargers just because they don't have much behind Eckler, but that's still a handcuff there. Uh, you know, maybe if you you want to get excited about Damian Pierce to the Texans, but I mean, man, that offense, that the way they use that backfield, I, I don't know if I'm going to rush out to draft Damian Pierce. So. Uh, yeah, the NFL, uh, the trend is continuing. Running backs are dropping in value, and we're going to have to deal with it for fantasy managers going forward because the, the days of getting these bell cow first round running backs are, are pretty much over here. Yeah, I agree. The second round is the new first round as far as running backs go. Uh, that That's why the Najee Harris pick was so kind of shocking last year because that had really broken with the trend. Um, but yeah, it seems like it's real. I pretty much agree with all of your takes on this running back class. I'm not all that inspired by any of them. Uh, James Cook, as you said, I I think could be interesting in like a pass catching role, but 
I mean, in Buffalo, how much pass catching work act is there actually for a running back with Josh Allen just taking off half the time? I, we know that these mobile quarterbacks aren't great for the pass catching running backs on their teams. Um, and yeah, other than that, as you said, Zamir White to the Raiders is not great. I really had was wishing that Rashad White had gone to the Raiders because I, I see like a receiving role there that he really could have filled pretty well this year, but that probably isn't going to be Zamir White doing that this year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't really see the upside with a lot of these guys. I, I think a lot of people are going to talk themselves into Damian Pierce to the Texans, and it's true that that is a wide-open backfield, but I don't think Pierce is all that special of a player. He's mm-hmm. not incredibly explosive or anything. I mean, I, I just don't see it. So, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep drafting wide receivers, I guess. <laughs> And there are, there are a couple of these running backs. If you can display some patience in dynasty leagues, there is opportunity coming. Uh, you look at Kenneth Walker, the third to the, the Seahawks. Rashad Penny is on a one-year deal. Chris Carson is on a one-year deal. Well, last year of his deal, and we don't even know if he's going to play at this point. So their backfield clears out after this year for Kenneth Walker. That's great. Even Zamir White to the Raiders. Uh, Jacobs is probably done after this year. Kenyon Drake is probably done after this year with the Raiders, I mean, as long as they don't re-sign them. So there's some opportunity that can open up down the line, but for this year's purposes, uh, just not really a lot added here. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's tough to get real excited about any of these guys and even the ones that land in good spots. I mean, we're talking like fifth round picks here. I mean, they could just as easily be on the practice squad. So, um, you're noticing a lot of these teams. I just, I kind of put together a big spreadsheet, all these backfields and, uh, you can see the strategy teams are taking on these players now. I mean, the Chargers took Joshua Kelly in the fourth round, Larry Roundtree in the sixth round, then they get Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round. You see all these teams just sh- like taking shot after shot in the third and fourth round at running backs. Antonio Gibson was a third rounder when he was taken. Now they take Brian Robinson Jr. as a third rounder. So this is the new trend. It's It, it seems to be firing third round, fourth round pick after third round, fourth round pick at the position until they settle on one. And then then you see a team like the Chargers with Austin Eckler, who's an undrafted free agent. So um, there's just not a lot of first round, second round picks that just fall into just three down roles. So um, if you do think Brees Hall is that guy, uh, you should spend all the draft capital you can to get them because they're getting scarcer by the year here. Um, do you? So with this new landscape of running back, are you more tempted to go with a potential high upside three down back, maybe um, – you know, take a risk on a, on a guy, or would you rather just take the floor with like a cook um, and just take that pass catching and just kind of bank, you know, kind of like an RB two, three roll there. As far as it goes in rookie drafts, it passed the first round. I'm basically shooting all upside. So okay. that would be what talks me out of taking like a James cook, but with the scarcity here this year, I think that's my problem. I think Rashad White's probably going to be my favorite running back to draft after the first round. I think him in the second round there um, on the Buccaneers and with his college profile is really interesting to me. I think he's probably better than Keyshawn Vaughn. So for all all the reasons that we kind of thought Vaughn might be interesting before the draft, uh, maybe Rashad White could be. So that that's who I would land on. But yeah, I pretty much agree with your entire take so i i don't know what else to say i i wish i had like a deep sleeper in my back pocket where i could be like yeah that this guy you can get in the fourth round of rookie drafts is gonna be the next david johnson but i i don't have that yeah rashad white's a good call i mean they clearly don't like Keyshawn vaughn and uh leonard fournette he is 
uh, around for a few more years now. They re-signed him, but, you know, he's an injury risk at times. So, yeah, if something happens to Fournette, uh, White could see a big role. Uh, you shared with me just kind of some recent ADP from uh, Superflex drafts, um, rookie Superflex drafts, and it's it's Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker um, picks one and two. And then you don't get till James Cook at pick 13, Isaiah Spiller at 15, Rashad White at 18. Man, it's it's not good. So I think probably if you don't have an early pick, uh, my my recommendation would just be hammer receivers and come back to whatever running backs are left in the third or fourth round because I just I don't see much here in the second round of of rookie drafts or running back. Yeah, and the also the problem with a lot of these guys, even if we think, oh, like they could be a handcuff now, but if we're patient, maybe it'll clear out for them and they'll get opportunity next year. The 2023 running back class is coming and yeah, it's way better than this one. So a lot of these guys might have like a month in the sun of people thinking, oh, well, maybe he's going to have a starting role and then it will just get obliterated by a second round running back next year. So that that's the concern. Yep. So maybe if you're not sold on them, try trading back, trade uh, collecting uh, first round picks for next year, and kind of kind of like the teams who wanted quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Maybe just punt punt this year's draft and uh, add assets for next year. That might be a good strategy here. Okay. So those are our big uh, six takeaways after the NFL draft for fantasy purposes. Um, Ryan, let me throw you a little uh, a curveball here. Uh, we did a uh, rookie superflex mock draft before the NFL draft. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to just kind of quickly look back at a couple things here that happened in our draft and our takes on them now that the NFL draft has happened. So I was stuck with the first pick in a Superflex draft, and um, I went with Malik Willis, which obviously is not going to happen anymore in a Superflex league, uh, chasing that rushing ability. Um, he dropped way too far to go that early in a Superflex draft. But um, what do you think about Malik Willis? Obviously, he's not going to start year one in Tennessee. Um, but if, if you're in a super flex draft, do you have your eye on him at all? Are there any quarterbacks here you're looking at? Like, how do you, how do you think this draft has shaken up quarterbacks? Honestly, and th- this is very dangerous to do in super flex, but I think I'm completely fading this quarterback class as well. I was one of the people that was a Malik Willis believer. I actually thought he was going to get top 10 draft capital. So there's egg on my face for that one. Okay. Just the NFL has not shown any confidence in any of these guys besides Kenny Pickett, really. So I, they certainly don't belong in the first round of rookie drafts. I can understand wanting to take a shot on somebody like a Malik Willis or a Desmond Ritter in round two of a super flex rookie draft, just because the upside, if they hit being a QB is really big. And I like the rushing ability of both of those quarterbacks. So I don't know. I, yeah, I really don't know, but I really hope you didn't take Malik Willis in any real <laughs> rookie drafts. No, I did not. And I, I mean, I acknowledged in the in the mock draft write up that I did not feel good about it, but he was an upside play at quarterback. And I just didn't see any in this draft other than Willis. So um, right now, some early ADP, Kenny Pickett is the QB one, obviously in super flex rookie drafts. Uh, he's going at 1.06 though, which is pretty late for a QB one at a super flex draft. So um, if you want Malik Willis, Willis right now he's back of the first round like a 1.10 1. 1.11 um, you would be passing up on like George Pickens James Cook Jahan Dotson I, I think I'm going Jahan Dotson over him right I mean he was a clear first round wide receiver um, a lot of draft capital there like I, I think that's a group of players I would probably take over Malik Willis unless my roster is just devoid of all talent at quarterback yeah I agree completely I you can't take a third round quarterback over 
first and second round wide receivers. You you just can't do it. The hit rates are so bad outside of the first round for quarterback. I, yeah. yeah, I I just don't I don't understand why Malik Willis's ADP is still at like ten overall for rookie drafts. It should be much lower. That that's all I'm gonna say. Right. Yeah, and maybe uh, you know, kind of take the discount. Maybe try to scoop up like Desmond Ritter later. Maybe you know he's competing competing with Mariota in Atlanta. They got some weapons now. Yeah. Maybe maybe just uh, hold off another uh, round if you're gonna go for Malik Willis and get a little bit of a value. But again, not a good year for quarterbacks, real life or for fantasy. So um, I'm assuming you're not real excited about Kenny Pickett's uh, fantasy prospects, are you? I'm really not. The only reason to take him would kind of be just from a process standpoint of you should take a first round quarterback in super flex leagues. Like we're not very good at evaluating which quarterbacks are going to be good for fantasy. I I mean, I'm sure you can find a lot of really embarrassing Josh Allen tweets on my timeline. (laughs) If you go back far enough. So I I don't want to come out and say that Kenny Pickett can't be good. He definitely can be. But a, a lot of the people that really know what they're talking about, scouting QBs, have said they don't see much of a ceiling for him. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm inclined to lean. I would take him after sort of my top tier of wide receivers. There's like six wide receivers I would definitely take over him, plus Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. So mm-hmm. he could settle in at like 109-ish for me probably. Great. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty uh, a pretty quick coverage of the NFL draft. Like I said, we've got some uh, more you know pick by pick focused stuff coming out from Drew and Sammy and their Las Vegas coverage. So uh, those are some of our quick takeaways. But there will be plenty of fancy takes from this rookie class for the rest of the off season. Uh, before we get out of here, Ryan, uh, resident Patriots fan, one of many. Uh, what do you think after the Patriots draft? Anything you want to yell about or gloat about? Any, anything that's really exciting coming out of this draft here in uh, New England? Oh man, you you should have <laughs> warned me on this one. I could have had like a ten minute diatribe ready. We're trying to um, keep these podcasts shorter this year, man. I didn't want yeah, that, that, that's too probably, much material. You yeah, you probably the correct move there. Um, I I'll put it this way: I, I was in my campus's pub uh, watching the draft on day two, and I saw the Patriots trade up, and I was so ready to literally stand on a table if it was Sky Moore or even mm-hmm. George Pickens, I probably would have been pretty excited for. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it it was Tyquan Thornton, who can, he can run fast, and that that's about it. Um, sorry, but if you're not out producing Denzel Mims when you're in college, then I, I don't really know what to say, um, other than I still don't think Bill Belichick is a very good GM when it comes to the draft, um, and that that's all that's all I'll leave you with. There are a lot of the draft coverage I heard. There was a lot of uh, chuckling after Patriots picks and uh, well, they, they certainly have their own draft board. A lot of, a lot of comments like that. So just uh, business as usual, I would say with the Patriots, nothing, nothing has changed here. So yeah, I'll just say for my Bengals takes, um, they seem to have decided that they want to collect as many uh, sub four, four defensive backs as possible, which I'm on board with. So uh, we got, we got, two safeties and a corner, uh, lots of speed. And I thought it was interesting. Their defensive coordinator mentioned after the the first pick of Daxton Hill, he said, well, we're going to be seeing Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson four times a year. 
Um, we it's basically like we need fast people to chase after them. So um, I, I think that's interesting. I think it's kind of a shows how the league is going where in the past, maybe you're looking at a linebacker at that position. And uh, nowadays it's more safety, more corner. Uh, I mean, the Bengals didn't draft a single linebacker in this one. It was all defense and uh, defensive line and secondary. So it's just fun to see how uh, the NFL is trending now. It's going to speed. It's always been speed, but um, I, I think it's going, it's either up front or it's in the secondary. It feels like linebackers are kind of, uh, uh, they're at least evolving. I don't know if they're disappearing, but they're they're evolving in the NFL, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right that linebackers are going to start to matter less and less because that is a big need that went completely unaddressed for my Patriots this weekend. Yeah. So that, what what are you going to do? Ho- hopefully <laughs> Bill is ahead of the league like he usually is. Hey, I mean, it's interesting. It's so matchup dependent. I mean, you know, the Bengals get against the Chiefs in the playoffs and you can just play all defensive backs. You know, you can you can you can play that way. Uh, you get against, though, maybe the Patriots, you might want some linebackers. So it just it's so matchup based. It's what makes this fun on a weekly basis. So, all right, before we, we go too much longer, we could talk the NFL draft all day. But let's get out of here. Uh, thanks for joining me, Ryan. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, we will have a more uh, more regularly scheduled podcast uh, situation coming up throughout. Um, probably take a little break, but it's going to be draft season before we know it. So I'm planning to do a bunch of best ball drafts this year. I want to focus some content around that. So if you like best ball, keep an eye out for more of that. Um, we'll have some dynasty coverage. Keep checking us out. So as always, thanks for listening and have a good rest of your day.